with you this morning. I hope you did. If you did, bring, uh, get them out and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I have been uh, looking forward to preaching today. Uh, I got up early this morning, or yesterday morning, and was out on the deck, and it was so quiet. You know, even in, in quiet times here in Louisville, on, on, in, in, over here at the house, it's really not ever totally quiet. Brother Joe, Brother Joe, Brother No would know that. I renamed you today. I hope that's okay with you. Brother Joe, I, I'm glad I didn't call you Brother Toe, aren't you? Yeah. You know, even in the quiet moments, there's always cars going by and, and some sense of activity that's going, uh, going on. We have a lot of people that walk through the parking lot. But as I was sitting there in those moments of quietness, the Lord just really began to deal with me about this attitude and that we sometimes forget, and that is about Him being our Lord. You know, we, we know that He's our Savior. We know that He died for us. We know that He rose again, that He is the one who saved us from our sins. But sometimes we don't always live as though he is our Lord. So today I want to talk to you for a few moments about that. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I would like to read beginning at verse 17 through verse 22. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Mark 10, 17 through 22. And as he was setting out on his journey... A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. But you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying." He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I'm asking you now to speak through me as I focus my attention now upon your word and what you want to say to us. You've spoken very clearly to me about my own life and about how that lordship works in our lives. And I pray now that you'll help me to communicate effectively this message to your people today. The goal being that at the conclusion of the preaching and as we come together for prayer, that we will make up our minds that today we are going to make a decision to place you on the throne of our lives and allow you to be our Lord. Open the ears of this congregation so that they might hear your voice. We ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. When you think about your life and all that is going on in your life, let me ask you, who is in charge? 
I don't, I don't know if you really know the answer to that or not, but I've put a picture up here today that, that I came across this week that, um, you know, kind of sparked that thought in my mind, who's in charge? I think we know who's in charge in this picture. Funny, I posted that on Facebook and I had several people say that it reminded them of Derek Williams. For those of you who know Derek, they're not trying to suggest that he looks like the skunk or the dog, but he's been having problems with a skunk in his garden. And he's been fighting with the skunk to see who can harvest the most corn this year, him or the skunk. And I'm not sure at this point who's winning. You'll have to ask Derek about that. But when I saw this picture, it dawned on me, so many of us live our lives like that poor dog. You know, we are, we are so close to the blessings that God has in store for us. And yet, because of one thing, it keeps us and prevents us from being able to enter into the fullness of his blessings. So this morning, I wanted to talk to you for a few moments about this idea of lordship. Now, I, I chose and selected this passage of scripture for a couple of reasons. Number one, I decided a few weeks ago that I was going to uh, begin reading through the book of Mark and that I was going to go very slow. I mean, at this point in my life, it doesn't matter to me how many notches I can put on my study door as to how many times I've read the Bible through in a year. If you're doing that, good for you. I'm glad for you. Those kinds of things can be good and serve as a discipline for us. But I'm not as interested in reading the scripture in its fullness all the way through in a year as I am truly understanding the scripture that I am reading. And so I decided I was going to go very slow. And on this particular passage of Scripture, I read it, and I reread it, and I reread it again, and I continued to go back to it and say, Holy Spirit, I know there's something here that you're trying to get in me that I obviously have missed. Now, if you've been in church for very long, you've probably heard this passage of Scripture taught and preached on many times through the years. And probably whoever was preaching it or teaching it, Bill, could you give me just a little more of the monitors this morning? Whoever was doing that probably looked at two different angles or perspectives. The first one was probably the idea of salvation because obviously the young man came to Jesus wanting to know how he could find his way to eternal life. He was wanting to live a deeper life than he had been. He wanted to be, as, as the church often says, he wanted to be saved. <clears throat> he wanted to know that his soul was secure in the afterlife. So you probably heard it taken from that vantage point. And then also, it's a very popular passage of scripture between teachers and preachers when it comes to being a giver. When it comes to being generous, because obviously Jesus says to him, you've done all of these religious things, but the one thing that you have not done is that you have not sold all that you have and given it to the poor and then coming and come to follow me. 
And, and the scripture is very clear that when Jesus told him to sell all that he had and give it to the poor, he became very distraught, very sad because it had to do with his money. It had to do with his possessions. And when he could not do that, he left knowing that he was unable to do the one thing that Jesus was requiring him to do. He knew what religion was. He knew the Ten Commandments. He said, from the very day that, that as a young man, I've done these from the days of my youth. I've not failed in these, these areas. That Jesus said, the one thing that you have not done is sold your goods, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. I got to thinking about that this week, and I thought, well, Lord, what, what was the problem here? Was, was it this idea of salvation? Was it this idea that he just didn't want to go deeper with you? Was it this idea that he thought about he wanted to be saved, but then he changed his mind? He didn't really want to, be, to come into relationship with Christ? I see in Scripture a lot of examples of people who, who knew Christ and had heard about Christ. One of them in particular said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But that word almost indicated that he was not quite ready to come completely to Christ. We all know people that they flirted with Jesus. And they flirted with the church, if you will, but they've never really dedicated themselves to serving the Lord. We know people who have flirted with giving their money and paying their tithe and giving in offerings and being generous. But for whatever reason, when it comes down to doing it, they've been unable to do it. So as I processed all of this thinking, and as I processed what I felt like the Lord was trying to say to me, I think what the Holy Spirit kind of brought to my attention was this idea of control. His problem was really not the money. His problem wasn't really that he wanted a walker, a deeper walk with Jesus. His problem was that there was something in his life that he did not want to turn over the control of to Jesus. He wanted to maintain the control. He wanted Jesus, but he didn't want Jesus to be Lord. He wanted Jesus because it sounded cool, but he didn't want Jesus to be able to tell him how to live his life. I've talked with people even recently where it just seems like that the holdup in their life and in their Christian growth and their maturity comes down to one thing that they don't want to give up. This one thing that they just hold on to so tightly that when it comes time to seed that over to the Lord, that they simply cannot bring themselves to do it. Now, no doubt as you're listening to me this morning, some of you may getting, be getting uncomfortable because, you know, there is that one thing that you have felt under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you need to turn that thing over to the Lord. But for whatever reasons, you've not been able to do that. The scripture says that he moved, he left having been distraught, discouraged, frustrated because he was this close to victory, and yet because of one thing that he could not turn loose of, 
he could not get the victory that God had for him. And I think about my own life and through the years and the seasons of life, how difficult that it has been for me sometimes to give over to God what God wanted from me. You know the story about me when I was starting in ministry. I did not want to be in ministry. I did not want to be a pastor. I just didn't. I grew up in a pastor's home. I knew what happened in pastor's homes. I knew the the sacrifices many times that were made. I knew what a pastor dealt with, and I didn't want anything to do with it. So I began to bargain with God, and I I went to school, and for four years I studied music education because I felt like that I could be a great music pastor in a church. And for six years of my life, I bargained that to God. And I said, I'll just work a secular job if I need to, and I will give my time to you as as a music pastor in a local congregation. I did it for six years, and the whole time that I did it, I knew that I was not pleasing God completely. I was saved. I believe that if the Lord had come back, I would have gone to heaven. But I would have never experienced the fullness of anointing and ministry that God had for me had I not been willing to come to a place where I said, Lord, this is not about me any longer, but it is about you and what you've called me to do. I'm going to lay it all on the altar, and I'm going to follow you by faith. And whatever it is that you want me to do, Father, I will do it. Now, it may not be that you've been called to pastor. It may not be that you've been called to a ministry like I am. But I can tell you that there are things in your life that if you're going to be successful and if you're going to grow in Christ... You're going to have to be willing to to let those things go to the hand of the Father. You're going to have to be willing to say, Lord, it's not my will, but thy will be done. Even Jesus had to struggle with this issue of, of lordship, if you will, allowing the Father to be over him, having having the Father as the one who spoke into his life and gave him freedom. So this young man left distraught. He left frustrated because he had that one thing. Listen, look at, he had that that desire to go deeper in the Lord. Anybody here today, you would acknowledge the fact that you're not where you'd like to be in your relationship with Jesus and that you would like to mature in him. Can I see your hands? Would you just stick your hand up in the air? Almost everybody here in the house today would acknowledge that I would like to be closer to Jesus. I would like to know him on a higher level, on a more mature level. I would like to know him in ways that I do not know him now. Listen well, you will never accomplish that until you are willing to allow him to be Lord over every area of your life. And there are some things that you're going to have to turn over to him before you will be able to be free to climb higher. It would be like if you set a ladder up against a wall and you're going to go from the bottom rung to the top rung. But before you do, you decide you're going to put a backpack on your back and you're going to load that thing down with bricks and rocks and stone and bottled water and everything heavy that you can think of. And you put that load on your back and you start walking. Now, for you younger people, it may not be a big deal, 
But for people my age, it might be a little more difficult. And you start up that ladder and you start climbing higher. You start trying to mature and and go up to that place that you want to be at. But you can't because you're loaded down uh, with the weight of something uh, that is burdening you and holding you back. Let me tell you, just like you would have to eventually take that load off of your back, if you want to mature and go deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to be willing to find those things that are not pleasing the Lord and lay them down so that you can climb higher. He wanted to go deeper. He understood religion. The scripture says that when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, hey, you've got to honor your mother and father. You can't steal. You've got to exalt the name of the Lord and him only. He was giving him the Ten Commandments. And the young man said, I've done all of those things. Not a few of them. Not one or two of those. I've done all of those things since I was just a little lad. I understand about religion. I understand about what the church expects from me. I understand about those things. uh, But those things uh, are not going to allow you to have what it is uh, that you're hoping for. In our church, we've got a doctrinal statement. We know what we believe. We've got a section in our bylaws that that talks about the practical commitments. In other words, we, we, we believe that God's best for men and women is for them to be married to men and women. Uh, men and a woman. Let me, let me back up. One man and one woman together. I finally got that right. We believe that. We, we believe in salvation. We believe in sanctification, which is subsequent to new birth. We believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. I could go on and on and on. We know what the church stands for. But I'm here to tell you today that you can memorize every one of those things and be able to say them anytime anybody asks and still be just as dry in your relationship with the Lord as cornbread. But what you've got to learn how to do is put those things off that will prevent you from being in close relationship with the Lord and allow him to have every area of your life control. I'll give you my religion. I'll give you even my desire, but I'm not going to give you my money. Now, I know some of you really twisting around now because, okay, I knew he'd get to the money. Listen, just set the money aside. Don't even think about the money. It's not about the money. It's about the control. It's about the refusal to let go of something that I know that I need to let go of. It's about being angry with somebody that I've been angry with for 15 years and refusing to forgive them because I'd rather hold them accountable. If I have to forgive them, then I will lose control over them. Because as long as they know that I'm still mad and still angry, then every time we can get together and every time they displease me, I can look at them and say, don't go there with me. We've got history. You know, I've already been down that road with you. I don't want to go down that road with you again. You see, if you're ever going to move in to this place where you need to be with Jesus, whatever it is that you insist on controlling will prevent you from walking in close relationship with him. 
Now, today I want to give you four observations, things that I think that you will see and discover when, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And the first one is that you will discover love that is reciprocated. Love that is reciprocated. Now, I, I want you to notice in the passage that we read today that it says when the young ruler came to Jesus, that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Did, did you notice that? It said he looked at him and he loved him. Now, I need some help. Michaela, would you come and help me this morning? Would you be willing to do that? No? If I begged you, would you do it? If I gave you a piece of candy, would you do it? Got a piece of candy. All right, let's see. Lee, come here and help me. Let me introduce you to the rich young ruler. This is Lee. Pretty cool. Wow. How does it feel to be rich? He's a rich young ruler, but I'm Jesus. I'd rather be Jesus than the rich young ruler. But the scripture says that he looked at him, Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. Now, what that, what that implies is that there was action. It wasn't just a thought. He didn't just look at Lee and say, you know, he's a pretty good dude. I like Lee. He's a nice guy. I mean, he, he looks good, he combs his hair good, he brushes his teeth, he combs it. I mean, he puts his makeup on before he comes to church and all that kind of stuff. But he's a good guy. It doesn't imply that Jesus just looked at him and thought, you know, Lee's a good guy. This, this idea that Jesus looked at him and loved him suggests that when he saw him, he was drawn to him. And he didn't look at him from a distance and say, I see potential in that guy. I see great things in store for this guy. Or I see a weakness in this man that needs to be taken out of the way. It doesn't imply that he loved him from a distance. It implies that when he saw him, he approached him and he expressed love and appreciation to him. Now with girls, you know, they, just, they get all close, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, girls wrap their arms around each other and it's like, you know, and then, then it's like when you're all done expressing love, it's like, you want to go to the bathroom with me? You know, it's that, that kind of thing. <laughs> to this day, I don't understand that. I don't understand. Lee, you want to go to the bathroom with me? Grab your purse. Let's go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. I'm sorry, it just escapes me. It really does. What about you, Neil? I don't know. Just can't get it. But it means that he expressed. So, so it might have been something like this. Lee, man, I'm glad you showed up today. It's good to see you, man. Man, I'm glad you're here. There's a work that I want to do in your life. And if you're willing, I believe that it's going to happen in you today. Will you let me be Lord of your life and control every aspect of your life? Are you willing? Then give me your wallet. I don't, I don't want your wallet. That's kind of basically the way that that happened. 
But, you know, guys, they'll come up and they'll kind of do this or they like, you know, give one of those or every now it's like one of these and every now and then it's like that kind of thing. That's kind of what Scripture is saying, that he expressed love to this rich young ruler in a way that was appropriate for the culture that they lived in. Thank you, sir. It doesn't mean that he just sent him a note. It doesn't mean that he just waved at him from a distance. It means that he came. He connected in an appropriate way. He loved him. How many of you know that Jesus loves you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. Jesus loves you. But Jesus doesn't just love you from a distance. In fact, Jesus said, I've got to go away. It is important for you. It is expedient for you that I go away. But if I go, the Father will send another one that is just like me. And he won't just be around you and in the neighborhood. But he's going to take up residence in you so that the Spirit of the living God lives within you. We are loved by God. We are loved by Jesus. We are loved by the Holy Spirit. And it is not for from a distance, but it is an up-close, personal love that is expressed to us. So he loves us. But let me ask you this. Do you love him? Do you really love him? Are you willing to give him everything? You see, John chapter 14 and verse 15 says, if you love me, you will do my commandments. Now, it doesn't say, if you love me, you'll pick out eight of the top ten commandments that I have and do 80%. If you love me, you can just pick the ones that you want to pick, fly high with those, and then just set the others off to the side. You can just pick whatever feels good to you, and you can do that and don't worry about pleasing me in all areas of your life. That's not what that says. It says, if you love me, you will do my commandments. The implication there is, is that whatever I tell you to do, you'll do it all. Whatever it is that I require of you to get you from where you are to where you need to be, you will willingly say, Father, I will do it. Jesus, I love you so much. I'm willing. Now, let me just pause long enough to express this to you. It may not happen overnight for you. How many of you know that sometimes it's a process? Sometimes we have to work on these things over a period of time. So don't get frustrated. Man, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said to me, I can't do it, Pastor. I've tried. I can't do it. Well, you're wanting to do it all today in this moment right now. You just felt the touch of the Holy Spirit and now you want to be perfect. It doesn't work that way. You might win a victory today and win a victory tomorrow and win a victory next week. But if you'll keep moving in the right direction, you will discover that you will move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from victory to victory, and you will eventually get where you need to be. 
God doesn't expect you to be perfect all at one time. You will be forgiven all at one time because once he forgives you, it only takes one time. He will wash your sin away and remove it as far as the east from the west, but you still have to work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. So if I ask you what is the fruit of your love, then you would say to me, the fruit of my love for Jesus is that I'm so committed to him that whatever it is that he requires of me, I won't even question. I will just simply say, I'll do that. I don't have to think about it. I don't even have to pray about it. Lord, if it's what you want from me, the fruit of my love is that I will do what I need to do to please you. So the first thing is you'll see love reciprocated. The second thing that you'll notice is that you'll have a mindset that changes from obedience to opportunity. From obedience to opportunity. Now, when I was a kid growing up in the church, I hated the rules. In fact, I've often said that when I went through my rebellion, it wasn't that I was rebelling against Jesus, really. I was rebelling against the church. Because the church wanted to put all this stuff on me, and I, had, I needed to mature a little bit before I could understand that what the church was suggesting that I do and the way that I live was actually good for me and not trying to steal all my fun. That word obedience is a bad word. I hate it, don't you? Because it implies no choice whatsoever. It implies that if, if I tell you to do something, you better do it. Because if you don't do it, you are in violation of my authority. And so if I say to you, or if the police officer comes up to your car and says, you are parked in a no parking zone, you need to move on. If you look at that police officer and say, I don't subscribe to your rules. I was here first and I like parking here. And nothing you can say or do is going to make me move out of this spot and go somewhere else. Don't call me when they lock you up. Don't ask me, come down, pray for your sorry self. When all you had to do was see the opportunity that was before you. See, this idea of obedience kicks against the flesh. It causes our flesh to want to stand up and rebel and say, you can't tell me what to do. Well, let me tell you something. The one who created you very well can tell you how to live and what to do. And if you're going to get the benefits of, of his blessings in your life, you're going to have to bring yourself in subjection to the authority of your creator. So when the scripture says that you are not to sleep with someone outside of wedlock, then you shouldn't have to pray about that. You, had, you shouldn't have to say, well, there goes a pretty good-looking guy right there or a pretty good-looking girl. You know, I think I'll just have an affair with them. Listen, if you, if you love the Lord, you, you, won't, you won't argue with his will. You won't put his will aside. Instead, you will see this as an opportunity to be everything that God intends for you to be. I just recently graduated uh, from, from seminary with my master's degree. I don't say a whole lot about it, 
because I'm not real sure that I got that much smarter when they gave me the degree. I, I just, I just kind of have it and it filled a place on my wall. But I, but I discovered something and, and I discovered that when my professor said <clears throat> that if you're going to pass this course, you have to do this, this, and this, I discovered that it was non-negotiable. They, they didn't say, if you want to, uh, if, if you'd like to, uh, if, if, if it feels good, do it. No, they said, if you want to pass my class, this is what you're going to have to do. I didn't argue with them. I didn't bargain with them. I just looked at the syllabus and I said, this is what is required from me if I am going to receive my diploma. I don't see it as obedience. I don't see it as some mean professor pointing his or her finger at me and saying, you better do this or else. But I saw it as an opportunity to grow and to better prepare myself and to fulfill the scripture that says, study to show yourself approved, a a workman of God that needeth not to be ashamed. I saw it as an opportunity. And it dawned on me yesterday while I was sitting on that deck. I wonder how different your life would be if you stopped being frustrated over the rules and the obedience standards that God has set for you. And instead of seeing it as obedience, if you started seeing it as an opportunity, why don't you go ahead and forgive that person that needs your forgiveness? Why? Because I said so? No, because it presents to you an opportunity to live outside of the frustration of being angry with someone every day of your life life. You can get up tomorrow and you don't have to be angry anymore. You can get up tomorrow and have fresh spiritual energy and fleshly energy that will allow you to enjoy life because you have let go of something that you've been holding on to for years. Why don't you see it as an opportunity? Why don't you see it as an opportunity to go from where I am to where I need to be? The third thing that you'll recognize is that you will be required to release something to God, but then you can relax. You release something to God, and then you can relax. You know, whatever it is, if you just keep holding, Paul, come help me if you will. promise I won't kiss you. Just pull back a little bit and put a little pressure on me. All right? Oh, there's a tension. There's a tension right now. Yeah, please don't flip me. I'm old. You may have to call the paramedics. There's a tension between us. You can't feel it, but you can feel it. You can feel it in your arms. You can feel it in your legs. You can feel it in your stomach a little bit. And you, you, you feel it in your mind because you're thinking, why did he call me up here and embarrass me like this? I feel, I feel like an idiot, you know. I mean, why do I have to do this? Why couldn't he be pick Greg or, or, or Shannon or anybody but me? And there's a tension that is being felt here. And if you'll be honest, you feel tension in that one thing that you refuse to give over to God. Whatever that is in your life, every time it comes up, you feel that tension. So you know what the better thing would be to do? It would be better for you to release that tension 
And then all of a sudden, everything feels different. You don't feel it in your arms anymore. You don't feel it in your fingers anymore. You don't feel it in your legs anymore. And when I let you go and sit down, you won't even feel that anymore because you'll, you'll say, I'm not up front and everybody looking at me. So you can, you can go now if you want to. But what I'm saying is, is there's this release. And then after you release, then you can relax. You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to have that burden on you anymore. You can cast your cares on Jesus knowing that he cares for you. You know what? I, I had to come to a place with my own children. And I, I promise, Aaron, I won't say anything to embarrass you or as best I can. But there was a time in their lives, as in every person's life when you were growing up, when they tested the authority of the parents. They, they rebelled just enough to see how far they could go. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have young children, you're going through that right now in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they will try you. And they will push you. And they will take you right out to the edge. And because I'd never been a parent before, I didn't know how to deal with it. So I took the approach, you're going to do it. Or else you're going to catch my wrath. I'll get my belt or I'll get a switch. Some of you say, well, I'm going to call the police on you right now. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to pull you in line to what I have said has to happen. And you know what I discovered with my kids? And I may not be this way with your kids. You may have angels. I've got angels, but boy, let me tell you something. It took them a few years to get there. My kids, when I told them this is the way it's going to be, they found a way around it every time. I told a couple, of, I told one of them not long ago, I said, listen, they started getting ready to tell a story. I said, I don't want to know. I, I honestly, I don't want to know. I, I think too highly of you and I'd rather not have that information in my memory bank if you don't care. But they will push you. And they, will, and they will just try you. But you know what? I learned and I discovered that as a parent, there's a place where I can come and say, this is the rules. If you're going to live in the house here, this is what we expect of you. And if you don't want to do that, there's the door right there. Don't let it hit you where the good Lord, amen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, and then we can relax. We can just kind of say, okay, I, I can remember oh, when I was a young parent, I, I'd get down on my knee. Oh, God, I pray for my, my kids. They're such, they're such devils, Lord. They need your help. God, I stand upon your word. You said if we'd train them up in the way they would go. 
They will not depart from it when they're old. And I'd get up, I'd say in Jesus' name and all that kind of stuff, and I'd get up and turn around and see my kids doing exactly what I told them not to do. And I began to doubt the Lord. And then it came to me, it dawned on me that that's not at all what that scripture means in the first place because they have to choose for themselves to serve Jesus. And just because I trained them right doesn't guarantee that they're going to grow up and be Christians. But what it does guarantee is that if I train them properly and train them up in the ways of the Lord, they will never be able to escape the training that was invested in their lives. And though they may be choosing to sin and they choose not to be in relationship with Christ, there will be a, never be a day in their life where they do not know and have the knowledge that their lifestyle is not pleasing to the Lord. They'll never be able to get away from it. So here I've got an encouraging word for some parent here today. Let me tell you something. You may be in a situation right now where your child is testing the limits. You may have an adult child that's living in a way that they shouldn't. But let me tell you today, you've done all that you can. You put them in the Lord's hand and believe that he is able to keep them and convict them in the moment that they most need it. So release it and relax. Release it and relax. I, it's rare that I see anybody get more upset about anything when it comes to lordship than money. And so those of you who were afraid I was going to get to the money, you better put your seatbelt on right now. Here she comes, baby. You know, we just can't get around. I, I, I just, I've looked at it from the right I've looked at it from the left. I've looked at it from above. I've looked at it from below. I've looked at it crooked, sideways. I've had other people look at it with me. And Pastor, Pastor Jerry, I just can't give, give, get giving out of the Word of God. I just can't get it out. I can't get tithing out of the Word of God. I can't get giving out of the word of God. I can't get the fact that he owns everything that I have. I can't get it out of the word of God. It's there. So if it's there, the only thing that I can do is submit myself to the authority of the word of God and do what it says do in the area of giving. Now my wife and I faithfully tithe. We support this church with our tithe. In fact, I don't know why she does it, but she's taking care of the bills right now. But when she pays tithe on my check, she pays tithe on my check. When she pays tithe on whatever she has, she pays tithe separate from mine. And then we can give her the offering. I should be good to go. And then the Holy Ghost has the audacity to invite me to give when I'm not expecting it. Have you found that the, that, that the Holy Spirit does that to you? Last couple of weeks, and you know that I've been trying to get our house in Cleveland ready to go and all that kind of stuff, and I've had to go down there a few days, and 
trying to work with some contractors and get some things lined up so that we can get it on the market. And I, I contracted with this one guy to do some work. And he said, well, this is the price that it'll cost you. And I didn't like it, but you know how it is. You don't have to like everything. We shook hands and I said, all right, if you'll, if you'll do it for that, I'll let you do it. And I'll pay you when you get done. I'm not going to pay you halfway through. I'm not going to pay you three quarters of the way through. Pay you when you get done. He said, I'll do it. So he showed up and he did the work. At the conclusion of the work, I was getting ready to write him the check and, and to give him the money. And I said, we agreed on this amount. He, he said, yes, sir, we agreed on that amount. He said, but I've had second thoughts. I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm going to lay hands on him in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? And he said, I'm not going to charge you as much as I told you. I'm going to charge you less. I went. I said, what? He said, I'm going to charge you less. He said, are you okay with that? So let me pray about it. No, no. I did not have to pray about it at all. I said, if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. Let's shake hands on it and let's get her done, baby. And we got it done. And I promise you, I'm walking away and I'm feeling good about it. And I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, for this blessing. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit, just as clear as if you rang a bell in my ear, said, sir, you're going to eat it. Are you going to sow it? I said, excuse me? I think you dialed the wrong number now. You can't bless me and then require something of me in the, in the same sentence. He kind of reminded me that he's God. He ain't, he's not the banker. You know, the funny thing is, I've learned to trust him on such a level that I don't even question it anymore. When the Lord says, are you going to eat it? Or are you going to sow it? I immediately said, I'm going to sow it, Lord. I'm not going to eat it. Why would I eat what you put in my hands to sow back into the field? And I told him, I said, I may not eat from this meal, but I'm going to eat somewhere down the road because your promises are true. So Lord, if I need more seed in the ground right now, she's going in the ground. Praise the Lord. And I put the seed in the ground. What I'm trying to tell you here is that, that we've got to begin to, we, we've got to release to God what is His and what He's trying to do in our lives and then just sit back and relax and just say, God, I, I trust you. I, I hear your voice. I, I know what you're saying and I have no question in my mind that if this is what you want from me, then I'm willing to do it. Now tomorrow he may take me to another level that is much more difficult and much more hard. It's like playing word cookies. How many of you have been playing, playing word cookie on, on Facebook? We're the only ones, baby. Girl, we got to get a life. Look it up, word cookie. 
It's a hard game. Last night I got to the place I had all the words but one. I wanted to go to bed. I was tired. I was sleepy. I can't go to bed if I've got one more word in the cookie that's got to be put there. And then my wife walked by and I, I said, here, finish my word cookie, please, so I can go to bed. She got a hold of it. I mean, just a matter of a few seconds. She just put it right in. I said, hallelujah, glory to the Lord. I went to bed and relaxed. Here's what I'm trying to say to you today. Some of you just need to release what you're carrying to the Lord and then relax. I've got one more thing and then I'm going to quit. Say amen. He's going to quit. Hallelujah. Well, she's the only one that said it. So now come up and help, help me quit now if you will. Amen. The last thing that you're going to have to see, put it up there on the screen if you will. Mr. John, is that you'll discover that your desire will turn into your destiny. You know, sometimes we want to get destiny before we can get desire. And we come up with all these great ideas. I want this and I want that and I want the other. And what we've got to discover is, is that when we desire the things of God... And we walk in that desire, then he allows that desire to become our destiny. It's like I told you earlier, I didn't want to be a pastor of a church. I really didn't. But I didn't just didn't know all the good things that God was going to do in my life. And I just didn't understand that if I would trust him that he would fulfill his destiny for my life. Is that me, Bill? Am I squeaking? I oiled up my knees before I came to church. I got... We've got all these plans for our lives. We've got all these... We've got all these things that we want to do. When really what we need... It's to just desire what God wants from us. To desire what He plans for our lives. And as we walk out His desire, and we will discover our destiny. The rich young ruler never got to his destiny. His desire was all about fleshly worldly things it's not about godly things it was not about eternal things it was not about what God wanted for his life it was all about that one thing that one thing that one thing you stand with me this morning Let me ask you this morning. Is there anything in your life that is preventing you from being abundantly blessed of the Lord? It could be an attitude. How many of you know sometimes our, get, our attitudes just get completely out of check? 
We get this attitude, well, I just can't do it, can't do it, can't. My mom used to look at me and say, son, son, can't never did nothing. I used to say, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I lived here. I wish I lived there. I wish, I wish, I wish. And my mama, she'd say, son, look at me. Don't wish your life away. What is it? What's that one thing? That one thing that you just can't let go of. You just feel like that you've got more energy and more knowledge and and, and more ability to understand it than even God himself. What is it? What's keeping you awake at night? Make it impossible for you to sleep because you're so worried about it. That you think that if you worry long enough and hard enough, that you'll come up with the answer. And it'll all come together. Last night, I was getting ready to go to bed and I was worried about this message this morning because it, I didn't have it all together in my head. It's God's fault. He's the one who asked me to change my message and preach something different. I was going to preach something different. I had that in my head. And the Lord said Saturday morning, and I want you to preach that. I want you to preach this instead. And I said, I'll do that. But I, it, it just, it wasn't all there. So last night I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh God, I'm just going to bomb totally out tomorrow. Lord, I, I don't even know if I can say what needs to be said in such a way that they can hear it and receive it and put it to use in their life. God, I, I, just, I just can't get it here. It's here, but it's not here. And I thought I just... It's going to be a late night. I'm going to stay up tonight. I need to go outside. I need to worry about it a little more. I need to see if I can't dig a little deeper, go, go somewhere I need to go. And I went out there and I sat on the deck and I sat down. And the Lord sent a squadron of mosquitoes. I'm sitting there. Oh. Oh, God, I can't, I can't think. And if I go inside, Donald's going to want to play word cookies with me, and I can't go in there. Lord. And I finally, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, why are you so worried? They're not coming to hear you anyway. They're coming to hear me. And if you just open your mouth, I'll bring something through it that somebody will be able to catch in such a way that it will bring transformation to their lives. And I got up and I came inside and I said, I trust you, Jesus. Came in, I said, I'm going to bed, baby. I'm going to bed. And I went to sleep, slept like a baby. Let me tell you something. Early this morning when I woke up, the very first thing that was in my mind was the Holy Spirit saying, okay, are you awake? 
Because if you are awake, I'm ready to talk to you now. And I went out on the deck with my coffee, and the Lord gave me what I needed to say. Now, I don't know who it's for today. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with. I don't know what that one thing is that you've been, you've been struggling with. But listen to me. The Lord wants you to know that if you will release it to Him today and trust Him with it today, that He will bring about the answer that you need and move you to a place of victory in your life. And it will be a brand new season for you I'm about to quit tell me your name again Deanna I should know that by now Deanna came in this morning she's smiling from ear to ear I said how you doing today Deanna I didn't call her name because I didn't know her I said how you doing today she said I'm doing great I said did you have a good week she said I had a great week she said the Lord bless me Gave me a new job. Gave me a new place to live. She said, man, I'm telling you, everything that I needed the Lord to do for me, He did for me. I'm telling you, if you'll just release it, if you'll just release it and let it go, God can get you where you need to be. Are you willing to release it? Everybody come on down here with me and we're going to end with prayer today.